John and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast. Theme tune time. Let's go, John. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. I told you there's no way I'm singing. Come on. John and Sam in Japan. John and Sam in Japan. Yeah. John and Sam in Japan. Never gonna happen. And put your clothes back on, it's just weird. Ah, never! John and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast. Welcome to the show. Here's John. Here's Sam. And this is John and Sam in Japan, the international comedy podcast. Finally, back. <laughs> Finally, back. <Yeah. laughs> Shush, I don't think they noticed that we, uh, we missed. Took, a, took an episode off in June. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure you've got a good excuse, dear. Yeah. Uh, well, it was ill health on my part, I think. <laughs> Which <laughs> he's he's fine though. What 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 he meant was he had a hangover. <laughs> no, Ill, I didn't. Ill health doesn't quite encompass hangovers, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, I had um, basically just before lockdown started, I developed this sharp pain just behind my like inside my ear. And I'd been to the dentist, and I'd been to my doctor. They, like the dentist said, oh, it's nothing to do with your jaw muscle, uh, your jaw bone, or your jaw muscles. And then the doctor had said, oh, it's possibly a, a, an infection. So I had like a week of antibiotics. Then the pandemic started, and then about two weeks ago, maybe, or yeah, I guess two weeks ago, just went to open my mouth to eat some breakfast, and as soon as I opened my mouth, there was like a pop. And my face just felt like it was on fire. Were, were you eating Rice Krispies? <laughs> yeah. I was having a Pop-Tart. Pop <laughs> they just felt like there was a load of liquid coming out of my ear. Nothing came out. But I was in absolute agony. Um, so I went to A&E, sat there. For, well, oh, that, it, was that, it was that bad? Oh, you, well, went to the, you went to the accident emergency? Yeah, well, I called. So I went to A&E course because it's a global pandemic i was like oh it's gonna be quite empty <laughs> so it was there was you know usually <laughs> usually you go and it's full and you have to wait for ages this time i went it was empty and i had to fucking wait for ages like, <laughs> so the number of people has nothing to do with how long you wait <laughs> oh it pissed me off right i got there and i saw the nurse within about five minutes she takes down what the symptoms are and that and then I was sat there for three hours, right? And there's all these different people coming and going, you know, people who'd fallen over and stuff. But the number of people was probably about, I'd say, less than 15 in three hours. And there's just me and this woman sat there. And then she said to me, you were just before me. How long have you been waiting? And I said, well, I was waiting about 10 minutes before you turned up. So then after three hours, just before six o'clock, the nurse comes back out, gives me a piece of paper, says, right, like, uh, out of hours, GP going to come on round the corner, so just go see him. <laughs> so she's, so she, me and this woman, this other woman kicked off, and I, I, I felt good because she was saying yeah. absolutely everything that I wanted to say, but I didn't have to say it. I know. I love it when people kick off on your behalf. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, so satisfying. <laughs> So it's like, went round this corner, and the whole time my face is still hurting, so I'm pissed off because I haven't eaten anything, so I'm hungry as well, so I'm just in a <laughs> shit mood. Hanger, hanger and panga. <laughs> yeah. And so I went round the corner, and like, there's this little guy in his booth, and um, 
So I've got a booking appointment with him, and he said, right, the doctor's going to come. Can you just <laughs> go go around the corner, and uh, it's going to be room number two. So go around the corner, and honest to God, there's a sign which says door number two, and then there's another sign which says waiting room, room number two, which are two completely different places. <laughs> so I've had to go back to him and said, is it door number two or is it waiting room number two? And he just goes, oh, it doesn't matter. If you just sit there, somebody will find you. And I'm just like... <laughs> so eventually the doctor turns up. I went in there. I kind of told him what had happened. And he basically didn't listen to me. Oh, you should see your dentist. I went, I've seen my dentist. So he said, oh, tomorrow I'll call your GP and I'll send him a message. So the day after, I call my GP and he's like, oh, well, I'll just prescribe you some antibiotics for a week. And if after a week it still hurts then we'll send you to a specialist. And I'm like, I've already done a week of antibiotics. And he went, oh, well, you've got to do another week of antibiotics just to be sure. So I did a week of antibiotics. Nothing changed. I was just fucking eating soup and drinking yogurts. <laughs> I thought I thought you were looking uh, rather svelte. <laughs> I, I did. To be honest, I lost two kilograms. <laughs> well, so after, after last, so this is last week, I finished my antibiotics, called the doctor. I said, oh, look, nothing's changed. It's still, you know, in a lot of pain and that. And he said, oh, okay, well, what I'll do is I'll recommend that you go see a specialist. I'll refer you to a specialist. So I'll call you back later to tell you the details. Just didn't call me back. No. So the morning after I I called, and then the woman goes, oh, no, he would never have called you back anyway. You've got to come to the GP's office. Like, you're not allowed in. uh, And I'll pass you this piece of paper through the window where you could then go online and you can make your own booking. So I was like, okay, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Went up. The woman passed this piece of paper out the window, got back, sat on, turned on my computer, logged onto this referral thing. Next appointment, 21 weeks away. I was what? like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, five months away. And I was like, oh, and it's like, and then it says, oh, if this is too long, then you could try and find uh, another specialist in the nearby area. So I thought, right, I don't care how far I have to drive. Click on it and just, yeah, no options. <laughs> so That was a joke. Yeah. That was why on Thursday nights you were the only one outside the front of your house booing. Yeah, yeah, I know. They're going, oh, clap for the NHS. I was like, shit in my hands and throw it at them. <laughs> well, I'm glad that, I'm glad in the last episode we, we made that new segment, uh, I can't remember what it's called now, follow up. We maybe follow up <laughs> with John and Sam because because we can definitely follow this up because I I just have a feeling there's more rants to come. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To be fair, I listened back to that episode and that guitar played. Oh, jeez, I've got got a lot of work to do before December. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the lyrics. I just need to be able to play the guitar now. That's a difficult point. Yeah. Well, I just hope that your house is warm enough and that your fingers aren't too numb. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going to have to record it when uh, when there's a bit of sunshine, I think. <laughs> yeah, don't leave it till December to... Uh, to... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've got the lyrics. It's come to me. It's a good song. I just need to put music to it. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's how Leonard and McCartney used to do it. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. well, <laughs> write the lyrics, then learn the guitar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Write down Imagine and then learn how to play a piano. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, how about for you? Have you uh, got any (laughs) Uh, body-related issues? (laughs) Well, uh, 
I've physically, I think, you know, touch wood, I'm in fine, fine fettle, but I think I was in physical danger this morning because, like, I, I was stuck in between my wife and my son. So, to, what would you do in this situation? <laughs> my, my wife says, uh, get dressed. And then uh, Noah says, what shall I wear? And she says, I don't care, just get dressed. Then he went to the cupboard and he purposely put on ridiculous clothes that he knows she, <laughs> that he knows she hates. And then he came out all sort of proud and like triumphant. Like, I'm ready to go. And then she said, no, you're not wearing that. Go and get changed. And he said quite justifiably, no, no, you said you don't care what I put on. <laughs> This is all going on, and I, I was sat on the sofa trying to mind my own business, but inevitably got dragged into the <laughs> <laughs> the situation. So, so I'm at, what in that situation? What would you have done? I think he needs the talking to, doesn't he? He needs the uh, when your mum tells you to do something, she probably means the opposite. One day you're going to marry someone, and they're going to be exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> I sort of was a slightly coward, cowardly about it. I said, I, I did say, I said, I think it, it, it is fair that he wears what he wants because you did say wear whatever you like. But then I saw the rage in my wife's eyes and realised that he was never going to be allowed to leave the house in those clothes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. To be honest, like, I was joking about then. What I'd have done, uh, what I always do is just agree 100% with the missus. I think as a parent, you just have to show a united front and then privately say to her, ooh, you know, you were wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, After I've had about 20 pints. Yeah, I was going to say, brave, pretty brave. <laughs> going to be sleeping on the couch anyway. So uh, at that point, I'd be like, yeah, you were a bit, you were a bit wrong there. <laughs> but uh, in, front, in front of the kids, keep a united front, I think. Yeah, basically that's what I did. I said, I tried to be diplomatic about it. I can see how you would think that it was okay, but... Her, her point was he's put on those terrible clothes on purpose so, it was, yeah. so it's like he's he's kind of stepped out of the yeah the accepted lines of acceptability so but yeah so i wasn't really sure what to do because he was looking at me with a she did say i mean yeah <laughs> but the, the in the small print yeah yeah, so but I managed to come through it. I managed to come through it unscathed. So <laughs> always read the small print. <laughs> wear whatever you want, apart from the stuff that I don't want you to wear. Exactly. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? What? Wear whatever you want really means is read my mind and wear that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's on today's show? We have Culture Corner. We have Edgar Frank in Culture Corner. He's come back. He's going to enlighten us with some British culture. We have uh, we have the burning question. We have some jingles. And, of course, first, we have this. This is JNSNJ News. Time for the news. John, what have you got for me? Um, well, well, this is from the Daily Mirror from July and it says uh, Lidl which is a supermarket chain is very sorry after revolted revolted mum finds what in vegan bolognese sauce so what do you think she found what it wasn't a little in China and she found a bat <laughs> <laughs> 
No, but you're not far off. <laughs> well, not far off bat could well be rat. Uh, no. So, well, a mum of two was revolted when her daughter found what appeared to be a lizard head in her vegan bolognese sauce. <laughs> and the head is definitely worse than the tail. Uh, well, yeah, I'd say so. Because tails, you know, some lizards can drop the tails off in fear and then regrow them. Um, but if it's a head, that means it's probably died in the machine. Yeah, you're thinking the body is somewhere in your bolognese. <laughs> yeah. So it says uh, Polly Wheaton popped out to Lidl to buy ingredients for a vegan bolognese for her daughter, uh, Isabel and Megan 20. But as Isabel got to the final few mouthfuls on her plate, she was horrified to find what looked like a scaly head of the reptile in her food. <laughs> so this is, I mean... They said the family think it came from a jar of sauce or a tin of tomatoes from the supermarket. And uh, Little have said they're very sorry launched a thorough investigation. So when you cook bolognese, do you use like one tin of bolognese sauce and then a tin of tomatoes no, as well? I was about to say, I thought that was mental. I mean, if I, if I, I normally would use like canned tomatoes or packet tomatoes and make the sauce. But if I had a jar, I would use the jar. And if I didn't have a jar, I would use the tomatoes. I mean, yeah. I, and I think that's the real mystery in this story. Would you say, would you know, if you were a betting man, do you reckon it was the tin of tomatoes or do you reckon it was the bottle of bolognese sauce it came in? Uh, I'd say I go for the sauce, I think. How about you? What? Why? Oh, okay. Well, I'd say the opposite. I'd say the tin of tomatoes. Just go on, why? Well, I just feel like there's probably more different things in the sauce. So that could have come along with the garlic or the tomatoes or the basil or whatever. There'd be more opportunity for it, would be my guess. Ah. But I'm no supply chain manager for a sauce. <laughs> Your reasoning is why I'd say the tin of tomatoes, because I think it's just like a one-off deal that it's sealed and there's no checking going on. And so it's more likely to just be a, a one-time sort of suicide mission by a lizard, <laughs> um, which wasn't picked up. Well, if anybody knows the actual statistical uh, <laughs> chances of uh, small creatures, do they more likely turn up in a tin of food or a glass jar? Get in touch. <laughs> I'll, if, I, if I remember, I'll put a poll on Twitter. <laughs> we'll, yeah. see, we'll, see, yeah. we'll see where the, um, uh, <laughs> where the Twitterati lie on this. <laughs> So it says, uh, mum is, uh, the mum Polly says she won't be shopping uh, at Little Ever again. She said, uh, it was traumatising. My daughter still can't eat properly after this. And it's not just because she's vegan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, little dig, little dig. Because every Sunday roast she cooks, she has to do a nut roast at the same time for her bloody annoying yeah. daughter. <laughs> she said, just nobody wants to find that in their food, whether they eat meat or not. Uh, it did make it all the more revolting for her. The fact that we found an exotic animal in our food in the middle of a global pandemic is shocking. I have to get that in there. Global pandemic, yes. Yeah. She says, uh, she said, I haven't even had so much the courtesy call from Lidl to apologise. And um, I've had to constantly chase them over the last six weeks. All they've told me is the complaints team is looking into it. I think this should take precedence over someone <laughs> who's complained about a bad can of baked beans or something. I was like, listen to the entitlement of this woman. <laughs> You know, 
if my bad baked beans are just equally as important as your fucking vegan bolognese sauce, you silly cow. And she hasn't really said how bad the baked beans are. Okay, there's one slightly yeah. brown baked bean. Fine, yes, your lizard head is more is more serious. Although, you know, I found a baby's arm in my baked beans. Well, in that case, I'm going with the baby's arm. <laughs> yeah. She said uh, it was about the size of her thumbnail, the lizard's head. So, you know, it's not like a Komodo dragon or something. You know what I mean? So what what happened with, at the end of this uh, lizard story? Did Is there... Nothing. She just said uh, it's been six weeks. Uh, I don't usually shop there. During the lockdown, I found it to be the most convenient and the most quiet supermarket, but I'll certainly never be going there again. And a spokesman for the supermarket said, we're sorry to hear of this matter and would like to sincerely apologise for any distress this may have caused. We are investigating. Right. And it was a lizard's head. It's a, it's a shame it wasn't another appendage because that could have been the end of that tale. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, hasn't it, since we've managed to scroll by that in. That was JNSNG News. Welcome one and all to Culture Corner. It's the corner. You can learn a lot about different cultures, but not corners. Learn while having fun in Culture Corner. It's a corner. Words, phrases, metaphors. You'll soon know the score. Find out what they mean with a Culture Corner team. Hello, and welcome to Culture Corner. I'm Edgar Frank, and I'm from England. There's nothing more than the English love to do during their free time than go for a walk in the countryside, the green and pleasant land. Being from the south of England, country walks provide an ideal opportunity for peace and quiet. You see, in the south, there's an unwritten wall that you never, ever, under any circumstances, smile at, nod to, or God forbid, speak to someone you don't know. The only time neighbours communicate with each other is when they're carrying out extramarital affairs or having street parties to celebrate winning a world war or a real wedding, which, after a day on the gin, is where said affairs most probably start. Country walks aren't a problem for the south of England as we happily ignore fellow walkers as they go past. The problem starts when we meet over-friendly people from the north who have the urge to say a contrived hello pet or you alright me duck as they walk past. This causes stress, real stress. Uh, Ow, do can unnerve you for the rest of the walk, dreading the next time someone appears. The best anti-communication technique is looking at your mobile phone as someone passes, despite the knowledge that there's nowhere more than five miles out of any town centre in England where the phones actually work. As you start your walk in England, it's important to remember that from September to May, and at times, from June to August, you're guaranteed to be walking in mud due to the rain. There's only one answer to this problem for the English, wearing Wellington boots. The perfect solution, well, apart from the fact that they never quite fit properly and you'll spend half the walk pulling your socks up as they annoyingly and uncomfortably slide under your feet and having to consistently twist your jeans round to face the right way after the ill-fitting boots have pulled them in the wrong direction. Very annoying. 
Compared to many countries in the world, nature does not provide much of a threat in the English countryside. The worst a wildlife will throw at you here is a randy bull or an amorous lamb. Do, however, beware the uptight mother, who is continually on the warpath. This lady rules the roost at the school gates on Monday to Friday and is a self-appointed sheriff of the countryside at the weekends. If you're a well-trained dog goes within six feet of her neurotic children, she will unleash a verbal tirade that would make Frankie Boyle blush. What better way to undo all the healthy benefits of a countryside walk than to stop off at a country pub and eat and drink your weight in warm beer and roast beef. Oh, the country pub, where everyone, male and female alike, has a beard, and you're guaranteed a roaring fire. Food, prepared a few days before, will be reserved by a hungover student who hasn't washed their hands. You're guaranteed to be charged five times more for an alcoholic beverage than in your local supermarket. But you don't mind because you're being authentic and trendy. As you trudge back to your car, wet and tired, you make sure you look away when you see a group of teenagers as they're taking drugs, guaranteed. You've also learnt to avoid holding eye contact with couples for more than one second, as if you don't, they will assume you're a dogger and you could be in trouble or in luck, depending on how you look at it. When you finally reach your car, you realise that after paying your excessive car park charges, you parked one inch over the line in the car park, encroaching into uptight mum's space. How do you know this? Because she's waited for you. She didn't care how long it took to let you know of your heinous crime. As you finally open your car, invariably you won't be able to find a plastic bag for the Wellington boots, and you'll have to leave them to dirty the inside of your prize vehicle. You swear you'll clean both the boots and the inside of the car as soon as you get home. You never do. Thanks for listening to Culture Corner. I'm Edgar Frank. See you next time. John, 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 Sam, in Japan. Yo, Johnny McBee and Samuel T. Two Prince took a shit over a cup of tea. Probably a spot of milk and a crumpet, please. But there's someone else cooking in the kitchen. Could someone answer the burning question? All right, and now it's time for the burning question. Uh, this episode, it was, what is something of somebody else's that you would like to smash? Um, so, Sam, who got in touch? Uh, yeah, we had a reply on Facebook from Bobby Judo, and uh, he said... and. I've had this feeling myself that one thing that he would like to smash is John's podcasting equipment. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, you paid for it all, so... Uh, <laughs> yes, if I wasn't sure of getting a return on it at some point. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for that, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I uh, Kerry's got in touch on Twitter. She said during lockdown... Her husband has decided to take up the guitar, so uh, she'd like to smash his guitar. So, <laughs> Luckily, I don't live with my wife at the moment, so I'm pretty sure when she does come over here, that guitar might be getting sent up to the attic, <laughs> never to be played again. Until December, when the world's worst jingle is performed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. On June the 12th, 2020... John McBride pledged to make a jingle for this very podcast using only his guitar playing skills. The deadline for this jingle is December 2020 and the world waits with anticipation.
It's the Jingle Countdown. Five months to go. Uh, how about for you? Well, yeah, I, I think basically I would like to smash every single one of my children's toys that make a noise. I feel like <laughs> yeah. I feel like everything in my house makes a noise, and it's like people buy presents, Christmas presents, birthday presents for your kids, and they always make a noise. I come home from work. My I'm a teacher, <laughs> so my job is fairly noisy, like by nature. And I get home, and then it's just noise. It's come in, and the TV's on, and my, <laughs> then my wife's got her iPad on. I like to smash that because she's always got the radio on. I like, <laughs> smash that one for a bit, and then I go to the living room, and the one kid is playing the piano thing i'll give that a smash up and the other one's in the corner <laughs> and he's got his fan thing spinning around with a tune jingling he's not even listening to it while he's bashing something else that makes a ringing sound like yeah i just really uh, like just a little bit of silence is all i'm asking for <laughs> i don't know if i've mentioned it on the show before but i had a friend do uh, he had twin boys and uh, our other friend used to intentionally put cheap toys through the letterbox that uh, that made noises and he used to always put one through so like one maraca so the kids would be a fighting <laughs> that is genius <laughs> but can i just say anyone who's ever had twins hats off i mean you are heroes yeah. <laughs> definitely what about you i mean i imagine your list is long yeah well no i don't uh that's what i said about i'd like to smash the mona lisa because oh, uh, I just thought that was rubbish. Um, my mum, my mum would really love to smash my dad's camera. Oh. She, she's got this irrational hatred of his. You know, in later life, he just decided to take up photography, and so you know, we bought him like photography lessons for Christmas and stuff. And you know, he takes some really nice pictures of the grandkids and that. And my mum just has this <laughs> hatred of his camera. <laughs> I don't know if it's just she just hates the fact that he's got a, a hobby that she's not allowed to. But you know, we'll have family parties. And he'll get his camera out and she'll just slide digs at him. Oh, here he comes with his with his camera, capturing the fun, the enjoyment, the love. Well, it might be because he then you know says he goes to his office and spends three or four days editing photos oh, yeah. to get away from yeah. her. <laughs> All the test matches on. <laughs> Why do you think I took up podcasting? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I just have to go and sit alone in my room and talk to my friend for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rant about smashing up the kids' toys. So let's just at this point just thank the listener for being our therapy, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me moaning about my ill health, you moaning about your kids' toys. <laughs> John and Sam, the middle-aged man podcast.
And that's all for today's show. Just leaves me to say thanks to everyone who was involved. A special thanks to Edgar Frank in Culture Corner. I think we all learnt a lot there. Uh, thanks to Ruben VM for uh, helping out with the jingles. But most of all, thanks to you for all putting up with listening to our nonsense. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so uh, next episode's burning question is, uh, well, with reference to Culture Corner, uh, what's the strangest thing you've ever seen on a walk? So when you've been going mm. for a walk, what's the strangest thing you've ever come across? So if you're into dogging, we don't need to know that. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> well, Sam needs to know. Sam would like to know about that. I'm all right. Thank you very much. <laughs> Anything else? No, I think that's all. All right. Catch, Catch you later. later. It is time to go, that's the end of the show. If you liked it, write a review. Five stars or F you. And if you want to get in touch, we'd like that very much. Send a tape of your comedy, not a tape, just an MP3. Send us some comedy or a song that is funny. Send us your favourite bit. But we don't want your dick pics. It is time to go. That's the end of the show. Tell your friends and your family. Or even the people you married. You should join in. Answer the burning question Send a new story Preferably something we can find about We're on the social media sites Facebook and Twitter day and night It's John and Sam in Japan at gmail.com And if you do this then maybe, just maybe Sam will put his clothes back on John and Sam in Japan The International Comedy Podcast